Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the unofficial 40, Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast. Featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher, Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers, Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome back. It is another episode of the Unofficial 40, the uh, very unofficial recruiting podcast from Soonerscoop.com as we welcome in, once again, Josh McQuistian, who is uh, joining us from his home base, Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall. And guys, I guess the big thing that we want to talk about here, we've had a couple of commitments since we last talked, uh, one a recommitment, uh, and then we've got the big uh, barbecue coming up uh, here on the 29th. Uh, so Sooner's got a lot, of, a lot of activity heading into the opener. Yeah, they really do. You know, this is, I was kind of talking about it in the story that I had about Levi Draper uh, earlier today. It's, Oklahoma's always busy in the summer, especially when it comes to, like, commitments. But you guys know, I mean, usually it comes down to, okay, you have the camps in the early summer, kind of early June, and then not a lot of, you know, activities, not a lot of stuff that's really happening uh, to kind of keep momentum going. So it's almost like they have to pick up. Uh, some steam right at the beginning of the season to get things going. And this year it hasn't happened, you know, between the five-star challenge and then on to the opening. And now with this barbecue, Oklahoma really gets to head into two-a-days when guys can come visit. And I know some guys are already making those kind of plans with a lot of momentum, not just from guys that are committed, but, you know, from guys that are those elite national players that they're still trying to reel in. I get the impression this barbecue thing, you know, it's the first year that, Bob and the coaching staff have done something like this. I, I get the feeling or the impression that it's going to be somewhat of a informal type thing, but also at the same time kind of a formal thing in that you have so many guys coming that are already committed in the 2017 class that I feel like it's a just a good situation and kind of a, a good momentum builder for Oklahoma to kind of answer that. Yeah, it almost feels like one of those things where it's it's so simple that you almost wonder how come it wasn't thought of before. I mean, it's just a great idea to get as many of these recruits as you can in an informal environment around your coaches and recruits and commitments and current players and see them in a relaxed environment, make them feel comfortable in your in your city where you want them to come and play and around the people they're going to be around. And uh, it, not only is it just such a simple, easy idea, it's a great way to get some relationships formed and maybe solidify something that uh, that you can hold on to for the rest of the recruiting class. Well, I think it's also an opportunity to, to get guys into the stadium. I mean, it's further along than uh, – I'm trying to think, I guess uh, – when Hayes was here, that's probably the. Is that the last really big recruit they've had in here? So it's been a couple of weeks now. Two, two and a half, three weeks. Two and a half, three weeks since they've. And there's been a lot of progress done on the interior of the stadium. And Josh, maybe you can chime in on this. I was told from the beginning this would be like uh, they'll be doing it on the field inside the stadium, the barbecue part of it. Yeah, that's kind. Of, you know, that's the thing that's been a little fuzzy to me. Is exactly how this thing will play out. 
Because like I said, it's uh, you know, you guys were talking about it. This is also new to not just, you know, the fans and the recruits and the coaches, but to us. I mean, this is not something we've been around before. It, it's kind of going to be interesting to see how the coaches handle this. Are they going to be kind of hands-off and let let this be about the kids being around each other? Because I, I think the thing that gets talked about but maybe isn't focused on enough is it's not coincidence, coincidence that this 2017 group seems really close as a committed group and at the same time is also off to the best start in, you know, in really in Oklahoma's recruiting history. It, these guys are good recruiters. They're involved with it. They know each other. And so many of the guys that are coming in this weekend either know them or have some relationship, met them at a camp, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how much do the coaches kind of push up and, you know, kind of know those right moments to get their pitch in. And then at the same time, let it be a relaxed atmosphere and not make it so much about, you know, oh, we got to get commitments, but more about, you know, we want these guys to continue to want to be around the program. And that stuff's going to happen naturally. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're 18, 17-year-old kids. They're going to be hanging out, talking to each other. You're going to have, I mean, a handful, if not more, commits on campus. You're going to have Robert Barnes and Calcaterra and Trey Brown and Broyles and guys that were just in the opening together and spent a lot of time together. You're going to have uh, Marquise Hayes and Sidarian Lamb who are going to be really jacked about Oklahoma after committing recently. So you're going to have just natural enthusiasm for the program throughout all these conversations. And so, yeah, while you do maybe Oklahoma seems to have, you know, put the pressure on kids maybe a little more to get these commits early to get jump in, but they don't have to. That, that'll just be there, that, that excitement, uh, that, that call to join the class, I think is it comes naturally to that class of 2017. Do you think there'll be any vegetarians? It's a queen <laughs> That would be a uh, that would be awkward. I think that if there are, you should just pull their offer pull their on offer? spot <laughs> and have like a uh, show them the uh, we used to call it the uh, the fourth room, which was the exit at the fraternity house. But during rush, you'd be shown the fourth room if uh, if if you didn't fly. It'd be hard to get out of the stadium without a tour guide, though. Isn't isn't Arian Foster now a, a vegetarian? Is that something you can do and? I'm I'm poor at nutrition. Obviously, we're probably he's the wrong a guys bad example of you know what happens when you go vegetarian. <laughs> well, Is he blaming all of his Fielder. injuries? I mean, you can clearly be of a certain body type and be a vegetarian. He's not a vegetarian. Well, I mean, I guarantee all I know you that dude is guy, that dude many is many acclaim. He's eating butter. <laughs> he's he's eating eggs. If I were vegetarian, I would just eat pasta nonstop, and I would weigh 400 pounds. I don't think vegetarian necessarily. Yeah, I see. I get lost in the verbiage, the vegan and the vegetarian. Like, I don't know what all, like, I don't know the subtle little differences from one to the next. I can't keep track of it. Well, that's the whole thing, like, with eggs, like, that was going to be a living thing. So it's okay to eat it. That doesn't make sense to me. That's still murder. That should be a question that's at the uh, Democrat National Convention. Oh, God, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the guys that uh, that are that are coming in. Uh, 2017, the committed guys. I mean, we all got the list up, and Josh, you've been doing a great job of uh, keeping everybody updated. I know it's been changing and and uh, morphing, and, and you've been chasing things down. But uh, the latest kind of developments, Josh, for, for the guys coming in uh, for the barbecue right now, what, what are they? Well, I think what's kind of interesting to see is, you know, in 2017, you know, people keep asking me, oh, who are the new names? Who are the new offers? When you look around, I mean, uh, if I'm Oklahoma, I feel pretty good about where I'm at, 
maybe I don't know exactly who's going to fill my spots, but I know that in all likelihood the offers I have out will account for a good portion of my class. I don't see Oklahoma having to take a whole bunch of chances around signing day and having to fill out for guys that they lost out on or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong, it's going to happen. There'll be a guy that decommits or that there'll be something. I mean, this stuff is all too fluid for something not to change. But for me, what I'm watching is 2018. Because 2017, you look at it, it's a whole bunch of OU commitments and then guys like Omar Manning and Kenneth Murray, uh, Taquan Graham, uh, the big defensive end, that I, I think is kind of an interesting story. Um, but there's not a ton of uncommitted guys in 2017 that'll be there. But like I said, that's for good reason because a good portion of OU's class is already accounted for. And there's a lot of other guys that they're recruiting from around the country that are just not going to be able to make it into something like this. But 2018, you see multiple guys. You got Cole Blanton coming up from Houston, the big offensive tackle. Uh, Daryl Simpson, the another offensive tackle from the Fort Worth area, that it's crazy to think that there are guys out there that can you know make a guy like Bray Walker look small. But Daryl Simpson's that kind of guy. He is a massive human being. And, you know, I, you look at him, uh, obviously Bray Walker will be there. Uh, Josh Moore, a wide receiver offer. Josh Proctor, the safety offer from Owasso. 2018 is what I'm really interested to see because I want to see if Oklahoma can start to develop that momentum. I think we all saw uh, the story that, you know, you know I, God, it's going to sound really bad. It's not like I'm tooting my horn here. But the Cameron Rising story that we had uh, earlier, I guess, earlier this week. And he seemed really pretty high on Oklahoma, and there's a lot of talk that maybe he's thinking about committing. Well, if you look back at 2017, that's really how 2017 got rolling, was Chris Robison got on board, and then Oklahoma just kind of gathered momentum from there. I think that's what they're wanting to see happen here with Rising, and if that can happen, and then you start to maybe make a move on some of these guys this weekend, maybe land a Josh Proctor this weekend, maybe surprise a lot of people and get Verone McKinley, the uh, Rivals 100 corner, you know, you do some things like that, and then 2018 is off to a very similar start to where 2017 was that now has you sitting at, you know, the number three class in the country. Yeah, and with 2017, uh, guys, if you're worrying about who's OU's going to offer next, they're sitting kind of waiting now on a lot of elite guys. They've built up numbers. They've got a lot of four-stars already committed, so now they can wait on guys like on the defensive line, Marvin Wilson or Chase On from Houston, or they can sit and wait on uh, uh, Jacob Phillips out of Nashville at linebacker. And so you're right, turning your attention to 2018, these are guys that not only could join, could, could be uh, Oklahoma leans after this, but they're people that Oklahoma has been working for a while, have built a relationship with. Daryl Simpson's been up to Norman before. Josh Proctor's been to Norman multiple times. Uh, we've seen Patrick Fields before. I mean, he's somebody who's a very good uh, player at Union. He could even get an offer this weekend. So, the, And Joshua Moore, someone we saw in Atlanta, who's an elite receiver in, in, in the Texas area. So these are relationships with elite guys early in that class that could really build off of, I mean, starting off hot again next year. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Patrick Fields, just in that he's coming off of a weekend and that he uh, – did he visit uh, Fort Worth and then receive an offer down there, Josh? Yeah, he camped down there. Okay. And that'll be interesting to see if they uh, react to that. I think it's probably going to be good too uh, when you got a guy like you know Josh Proctor. Uh, he's got commits that are in the secondary. You know Jordan Austin. He'll have Justin Broyles, Robert Barnes. I mean those guys uh, can work him a little bit. And I, I, I mean Josh, I'd I'd love you to chime in where you think Josh is right now. Uh, but I know Mike Stoops loves him. I know Kerry Cooks loves him. Uh, they've done as much as they can to be around him as much as they can up to this point. 
Uh, but do you see what what is the thought process with with Proctor? At the, you know, this young, this 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 early in his recruitment. Well, he's always been pretty open that just about every time he comes to Norman, he admits that the thought kind of crosses his mind to commit. You know, he likes it there. He's obviously more comfortable there than he is at any other school. I do think he took a trip up to Ohio State right before the five-star, um, oh, the junior combine that we had uh, that same weekend as the five-star challenge. And I think it definitely opened his eyes a little bit. I, not so much that Ohio State surpassed Oklahoma, but just that there are other great programs out there. There are other places that might have some things he likes. So I think that caught his attention to some degree and maybe kind of had him tap the brakes. But I think you guys touched on a great you know, uh, point that there are so many defensive backs that are going to be there, and they're a good group of guys. They're guys that I think he'll relate to. You know, He gets around Justin Broyles. I think you know Justin Broyles can get anybody to talk. So I think that's going to be very, you know, uh, very natural for him to kind of fit into that group. The player th- – some of the guys, some of the things that I'm interested to see is if any of the local players are going to be around. I mean, obviously they've left. You know, workouts aren't going on right now. But is a guy like Stephen Parker going to be down there? To me, Stephen yeah. Parker and Josh Proctor, they won't be. Or did, you, did I hear? Yeah, I, I heard oh, no, something. No, I'm, it, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, you've got a great point. I mean, yeah, I don't, Steve, I don't know. Yeah, there's just so many things we're unclear on. Like you know. I know Josh, you and I were talking earlier today. Like, I think OU can like pay for the spread and everything, and feed them. And, and I don't think that's. I, I think they get the NCAA must have some kind of a exemption or exception or something because otherwise people wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I would imagine that guys start rolling back into Norman on Friday if they're reporting on Tuesday. They usually come back through the week this weekend, and uh, it's kind of their last hoorah. And I imagine that's something holding it on a Friday evening that. Most guys will get yeah, back Yeah, I would to. say most people won't be here, though. I mean, I don't think they'll have to check in until a couple of days before the yeah, first workout. So Tuesday they and have, then they have What Thursday. they do is they it'll be the 4th that they'll be their first practice, but they have that big orientation meeting on the 3rd, and that's usually the day the 2nd and the 3rd guys have been coming in pretty steadily. Then. Yeah, I, I think maybe Parker, though, a guy from being from Tulsa, would probably come down. Yeah. Uh, maybe a guy like... Charles Walker that has a kid still down in Dallas, I would think that he probably stays through Monday at home and then comes back. Now, to be clear, Eddie, the last hurrah, that's like warm milk and cookies, right? Like that That's what you're getting at is the guys are going to be in bed early and mm-hmm. just uh, just focusing on the season and visualizing, you know, a, uh, a national championship. Is that what, that, that what that's about? I wouldn't be surprised to see the Uber surcharge return this weekend in Norman <laughs> is what I'm saying. By the way, you know, here's something else, too. I mean, this this 2018 class, uh, you're talking about a lot of kids from Texas that are coming in. Uh, to me, this 20, you have a real opportunity with this class because Texas still questions about Charlie Strong. Uh, you have Baylor that's just a, a, a complete mess. Baylor's not my problem. You it, Really, you just have TCU that, that is the other big boy around. TCU's my problem. So I just – it seems like a great time for Oklahoma to make an impression with some of those 2018 kids this weekend. I don't think there's any doubt. And, you know, I was kind of looking over the list here. And, you know, whether you go 2017 or 2018, the thing that's kind of amazing is maybe what Oklahoma is starting to set up. You know, you look at Robert Barnes from South Lake Carroll, powerhouse. You know, uh, Trey Brown from Tulsa Union, powerhouse. Uh, Jordan Austin, cornerback in 2018. 
Lancaster. I mean, that's a school that just a few years ago was in the state championship game in uh, in Texas. So, I mean, you kind of look around and you see guys that are at programs that are con- going to continue to produce talent. And what does that kind of set up? You know, again, we it's such an overused term in recruiting, but I think it's because it's so valid. I mean, momentum is a huge thing. And so if Oklahoma can kind of move that success again from recruiting to on the field, and that can carry over, I, I just, you know, I see such potential for this 2018 class to get going again, if for no other reason than because the state of Oklahoma in 2018 is so, so good that if you can lock down those top four or five guys in state early on, it's kind of like what we're looking at here with this with the barbecue. You know, you're like, oh, man, there's all these great players coming in. Well, yeah, most of them are commitments. So, I mean, it's not like you're doing something massive here, but because those commitments are so good, the weekend looks so good. So if you can lock down your state early, your class looks really good, and all you've done is kind of protect your borders, which is something Oklahoma should do. So it's it, it's kind of interesting to see um, just how this stuff can start to move forward as 2018 is – to me, is is probably as much, if not more, interesting than 2017 right now. And 2018, you start to get into kind of what Kerry's was getting at, where there's the there we had a few years where Baylor and Texas A&M really were the hot schools in Texas for guys to go to, and now you have obviously the Baylor scandal and Texas A&M falling off a little bit. There's a vacuum there in the state of Texas, and 2018 really is that kind of first opportunity where teams can pounce, and, and it will, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Oklahoma can reap the, the dividends off of that and kind of return to more of the, the early 2000s style of locking down the borders in Oklahoma and locking down Texas and maybe have a less of a national approach in 2018 if they can get a hot start uh, in Oklahoma and Texas. And also, I think it'd be interesting to see if, if they can get Daryl Simpson locked down early. I mean, Bray Walker and Daryl Simpson, does I mean, that's two bookend possible high four-star, possibly five-star type tackles uh, with size that you just don't get very often. That's That would be huge, too. I mean, that's almost like getting a quarterback that early in the process, getting two elite guys like that. I, th- I think they've already started kind of doing that in 2017, even. You look at all the guys that they have. You're, that's a who's who list from the OK prep scene uh, that they already have committed, and I think getting them down here on uh, Saturday. Speak. I think you guys hit it on the head earlier, too, that this should be a event that, Justin Broyles absolutely shines at. I'd like to have they sh- they need to. I'd like to put a uh, a GoPro on his head and just see how active he is on uh, on Friday night when he's going around talking. I'd be doing to it everybody. if you asked him. It'd give a couple of Fitbits so you take the most steps. I got my money on Broyles. He'll be up near twenty thousand probably for the night. Is there a weight like can fit? Is there like the Fitbit for words? Like I feel like Broyles would. He's gonna walk, but you know it's the mouth that's gonna win the award. I mean, like that—that that dude will talk bit. twice as much as anybody else. I don't think it works that way, <laughs> but it'd be a cool invention. He could have a uh, a person on his back, like uh, like in that Chappelle show the one time when the guy, the <laughs> husband, has the uh, the to wrap the, it up. Yeah, no, the rider on the back, and he turns around and. He, the wife's like, well, what are you talking about? And he has the guy read everything off. The human stenograph. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the human stenograph. Yeah, the stenographer, yeah, yeah. Or stenographer. Yeah. By the way, I did, yeah. speaking of the Chappelle show, I did read an article today. I can't remember. It was it was on the Undefeated, the yeah. new ESPN site. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, I, the I guy tweeted that it'll be the best thing. The guy confirmed that the game blouses skit went down exactly as it was described on the Chappelle show. 
I tweeted earlier, it's the best thing you'll read all day, and I stand by that. It is amazing. It's by uh, Jeremy uh, or Jerry uh, Bimbry on uh, The Undefeated. What was the guy's name? Uh, the guy that they interviewed? Yeah. Mickey Free. Mickey Free, yeah. And uh, basically, yeah, he just said that he was a baller and all the stuff that was described exactly exactly right even the part about his chef making blueberry pancakes after it was all, all the way down to the pancakes it's so awesome well, you know and murphy said it in the show he's like there's a lot of really talented writers out there i'm not that guy like how could i make this up like and that's i think that's why it felt real because you're like who the hell would make that up it was so off the wall from beginning to end and apparently like prince was on this team in minneapolis that was like the number one team in the country and so he didn't play that much, and he got frustrated, and he quit. But he said if he would have been at any other school, he would have been a starter, like a 5-2 point. He said he was like Spud Webb, but he just couldn't jump as high. Yeah, his high school team in 1975-76 uh, went 25-1, and one, and four of the five starters uh, went D1, including his half-brother, uh, Dwayne Nelson, who signed with the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. So, yeah, a little Beautiful. side note. Uh, I, I put out a thing on, on our message boards uh, just saying that we were recording this. I actually screwed it up, so I had to edit I said, I, I, here was my subject like We're recruiting a new recruiting podcast right now. I meant to say recording. I changed that. <laughs> so we are getting the, the, you know, the long-winded, terrible for radio questions. Like, I think people, they're being nice. I don't want to rip on anybody, but I guess I am already. Uh, but Too late. there was an, an interesting question from uh, Dalden Soul. He wanted to say he wanted to know what uh, our favorite barbecue places were in Oklahoma, and the favorite barbecue places you've experienced in your travels. Eddie and I don't really go for the barbecue that much. Like we go for like people are gonna laugh. We go for like Boston Market stuff you can't get in Oklahoma. You know why though? It's because I feel like Oklahoma has the best barbecue. They have really good barbecue. You're a fan of uh, Ray's, right? I think Ray's is the number one barbecue spot that I eat at religiously, I guess is the best way to put it. I think it's really, really good. It's really good. The Ray's is good. Iron Star's good. Uh, Iron Star's really good. It's just froofy. Yeah, it's yeah, different. It's but different their type. mac and cheese is killer. Oh, like yeah. it, I was destroyed when the one went out of business in Norman. Uh, the jalapeno. Oh yeah, on Kim's corner. Yeah. Blackbird is. Forget now, about right? that. Yeah. The jalapeno cornbread too is just. I mean, I don't like jalapenos in my cornbread. Oh, I just like plain cornbread. Mm. I'll say I, I'll I'll put Vans up against anywhere. Yeah, I yeah. was I mean, gonna, I, in high school. I used to probably my friends and I would go eat at Vans every Tuesday, and we would take down like one of those things of barbecue sauce. We they'd have to put out a new one after we were like there. they have that Dickies here in Norman now over on it's terrible. Like not a those Dickies are all guy. over in Texas. I, I Joe and I actually had this conversation on the way home from Big 12 Media Day. I feel like there's something different in the Dickies in Dallas and the Dickies like in Like it's so no much better. Yeah, yeah, like it's a complete different type of uh produce almost. It, it's it's really weird. I cuz I've eaten at one in in uh, Dallas and it wasn't bad. It yeah. was it was a, it wasn't hmm. bad. It was different though. Yeah, I was telling Eddie, I worked a game down here once, and we got fed Dickies, and it was actually really surprisingly good. I love the potato salad, but I, I do not eat it in Norman. But it enough. is strange. like, It's like there's – I think there's great Mexican food in Norman and great barbecue, but it's like in Oklahoma City, is there really like a great barbecue place? Mm. There's, that, there's that one that's out like – on Route 66 now that everybody's talking about. Yeah, the one that like you have to get there before 11 a.m. to get the burn-ins Yeah, it's like and a stuff. Franklin's kind of yeah. type joint. 
I, I still need to go out there. There are very few places like that. I mean, I think everybody loved the, uh, what was the train car place? Uh, Bedlam? Up by uh, where, up by where the uh, uh, Western, the museum is. County Line. Oh, County oh, Line. County Line. That's that was right. pretty good. Yeah. I think that's still around in some form or fashion. Yeah, it's a. But it was it was it was now. just okay. I mean, it wasn't like like you hear all that all the places in Austin like Franklin's yeah. and I think the original Salt Lake place is pretty good. It's awesome. Um, Our, but I, is is I mean, Josh, there's got to be a ton of barbecue places in Houston. The the one in Houston for me, you know, and I'm I'm a barbecue fan, but I'm not like over the top. But if one of the ones that I really love is um, uh, Killens, it's it's a place. It just happens to be in the town that Tiffany and I moved into when we moved down here in the Paraland area, kind of uh, southwest Houston. And we, um, they, it started off as a steak place, and just this guy, and he's a master chef, and it's this little bitty hole-in-the-wall steak place. But I kid you not, if you go there two or three Saturday nights in a row, you will see J.J. Watt. Like, he eats there hmm. religiously. And so... You know, you'll run into, I mean, you run into like, like I, you hear stories like James Harden and Dwight Howard. Like, it's a, it, I mean, and it's not like I'd be there all the time just a plate or something. Hoping it's to not run crazy. into Lindsey Vaughn. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, it's just really good. Well, the guy went ahead and opened up a barbecue joint, and it's the same deal you guys are talking about, where if you're not there by like 10 30 standing in line, you won't eat until like 12 45. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, that, and that's what I was talking to Andy Staples at Big 12 Media Day, and we were, both waiting for a car and i just said something like so oh, i guess you're not going to barbecue he's like no he said I, I don't go to any barbecue place that is open this late in the day like so that's that's you know that's pretty standard across the country i was <laughs> what a bar to set i don't go to barbecue if it's if it's well, it was six like o'clock. it was six o'clock yeah we were going to that's pretty important rodeo that, goat or something don't go there it's that's a pretty good. big power move well i mean he's been to all he's he's been to the best barbecue yeah like I remember Mark Rogers was talking about like Dixieland to George Schroeder one day, and George was like, "That's the McDonald's of barbecue," because like there's so many other places in, in Alabama to go. That's that's like Dixieland is like, it is. It's like the McDonald's of barbecue. It's just a it's a it's a marketing deal. Yeah, it's not real barbecue. Yeah, you need to be a little uncomfortable when you're getting barbecued. Like Arthur Bryant's in Kansas City is the the best place I've ever eaten barbecue, and you're like on edge because. You're kind of shuffled through a huge line, and everybody knows exactly what to order. You have to kind of yell out the same thing, and so. But those places always give you the best food. I, well, Eddie and I have been to the original Oklahoma Joe's. That was bomb, and that's awesome. It's really, that's really right. good. That's, that's really good stuff. The, there's one other place I was thinking in Oklahoma City. It, it used to be over by Douglas High School. It was called Tom's. It was right off of uh, I-44. Uh huh. Very, very good. But I don't think it's open anymore. I will say for people that live in Tulsa. Elmer's, and I don't think I've ever taken you to Elmer's. I think we tried to go to Elmer's one time and it was closed. But Elmer's on Peoria, you go south if you're on 44, or north if you're on 44, it is. They do, like, they're, they have the best potato salad I've ever had in my entire life. Like, they don't have, like, chunks of potato. They, like, whip it up. So it's, like, mashed potato, potato salad. It's fantastic. Great question, yeah. Dalton Soul. But I, I, wanna, I got a sub-question for Kerry, because this made me think of something. If there's any place in the state that you could live, Carrie, just on the food, I feel like it would be Tulsa. Is that right? I don't know. I feel like you love Tulsa food, like the Coney Islander, like all that that stuff. And I feel like every time you talk about food, it usually ends up in Tulsa. 
I do like Ricardo's. Mm-hmm. Little Mexican place. Oh, is that in Tulsa? Yeah. Uh, it's like a, it's in a strip mall. It's pretty good. I just, uh, that's why I'm fat, Josh. I like food. <laughs> I'll eat food anyway. I'll find the food. Like in Norman, I love like Tulio's and Tarahumaras or however you say it. I mean, I love the Mama Vaches over by Lowe's. Oh, yeah, I mean, we have good. really good, I mean, you don't have to go to Ted's. Ted's is so I'd average. say that's on the bottom side. Yeah, Ted's is average. It's Tarahumara is one of the few places in Oklahoma that I think holds up next to the good places in Houston. I mean, Houston Mexican food is just like unbelievable. There, there, it's just oh, yeah. good stuff. Trust everywhere. me, I haven't even been to El Tiempo, and you know how much I drool over Guadalajara. What is it? Yeah, Guadalajara yep. Cantina. El Tiempo is like, and I'm you like I'm not that way about food. Like food is what I need to keep moving. Like I, I don't get that giddy about food. El Tiempo is like life-changing Mexican food. It, it's really good. I had a, uh, I had a fraternity brother. I think it was – is El Tiempo over on uh, – by Alameda? Is that yeah, it's it's over uh, – In that like, shopping center right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right off 59, like by a big Costco. I used to drink there underage. It was awesome. I had a kid. Well, let's hope the Houston PD is not listening to this. Jeez, Eddie. Just make us a bunch of criminals on this show. No, that – if I wanted to do that, I'd – tell you the step-to-step guide on how to steal beer from walmart but that can be a different podcast nobody else on this show has ever drank underage eddie we cannot discuss this all right all right uh people are screaming <laughs> at their computers and their ipods and their cars right now <laughs> talk, talk sports. sports yeah damn it people go back to your shanties see josh hates it when i play that because i made that joke on the on the board one time and i think everyone threatened to make to cancel their subscriptions <laughs> I said that was the that was the beginning of my art phase. I think. Okay, back to uh, the barbecue. I we talked about the guys that are committed. Josh, let's throw it out there. What are the possibilities of a commitment this weekend at the event? I think they're really good. To me, the only question is if Xavier Newman makes that trip. Now, I talked to somebody last night. Was given the impression that he has told people at Oklahoma he will be there. He is not. Confirm that to me, but from everything I can gather, Oklahoma expects him to be there. And if he comes, I think a, a, a flip from his Texas commitment to OU is, is imminent. I think that's just really been, for a few weeks, been a matter of him making that trip up. And if so if he comes up, is around all those guys. And, you know, I talked to um, uh, Robert Barnes following the opening, and he talked about Newman being around the guys a lot. He spent a lot of time with the OU commitments. And you got the impression that they felt like he really kind of fit in with what they wanted to do and what they, you know, kind of are as a group. And so I I think Oklahoma feels very good about him. Now, the one that's kind of quiet that I really want to see is Adrian Ely, the offensive tackle from New Orleans. Uh, I don't think it's far-fetched that a commitment could happen. I think he really doesn't want it to. I think he wants to be patient. But at the same time, I think Oklahoma is – considerably out in front of the field right now. So if something happens, it wouldn't shock me. But at the same time, he's a guy that would commit and probably take some trips if I had to guess. So it's kind of one of those things where I don't want everybody to get too geeked up about it because it might still be pretty fluid. I got to tell you, Hill Country Sooner has uh, submitted some very good questions. Uh, I approve of all of them. Um, I don't know why he's obsessed with J. Brent Clark, but he says, J. Brent Clark follows, I think, most of us on Twitter. 
It says, when they bring a kid in for a visit, do they take him by J. Brent Clark's house? Does he have like a great house or something? They've been. Is there an inside? I think joke he's there a uh, he's a OU historian guy. Well, no, he wrote. He's written books. Oh, yes. on, on I OU, didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. Does Carol Stoops give the recruits mothers free Mary Kay products? That would be interesting. As they leave, she's not. She retired from Mary Kay, though. I bet she has a closet full of oh, old stuff. Yeah, she's still a big wig. Eddie she still hasn't go. gotten over the fact that we miss Mary Kay this year. God, that would have been awesome. Uh, here's my favorite question. Does Mike Stoops pop a neck vein and get in a kid's face to see if he can handle playing for him? It seems like something they would do on uh, Real World or like Big Brother, and then they'd take him into the uh, confession room and let him talk about it. I don't, I wouldn't. It seems like that he just probably would yell and then say, yeah, 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 that's what I was doing. That sounds good. But I, I mean, most people just yell because they lose control. Do you think they would just play like Ante Jones video from the from the A and M game in two thousand and be like, "Can you deal with this? Like, how do you feel about this? Like, it would be like a room, like a well, oh, was, like I a mean, review board where they could actually go over and talk about how they felt about Mike Soup's handling of Ante Jones we, fifteen years ago. We brought that up all the time, like you know when the Julian Wilson thing happened uh, against Baylor. Baylor's not my problem. That you know Ante Jones and Mike Stoops used to scream at each other on the sideline all the time. It was no big deal. It's just how he coaches, but. But it's so sensitive now. It's just maybe it's one of those things where uh, you know how like the Warriors uh, pitch the KD with that 3D experience. Maybe they take the recruits and let them put the 3D glasses on, and then it's just Mike yelling at them. <laughs> what would be really dumb is if they if they had recruits sitting there in the stadium eating barbecue and they put on 3D glasses of the stadium. That would be like a Josh Heupel type move, probably. That sounds like something that. A, like a 40 year old white guy would think it's really cool <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting in the stadium dude you don't need 3d stadium glasses uh larry bird 69 i'm just gonna you can just guess that 69 means he's immature uh who can do the most push-ups out of the four of you that's a quick out for me i'm done <laughs> josh is that's all josh Oh, that, I think Josh you know, told me once recently upon a time he I just started great working out. But I might be winning this by default, so I don't know that that's going to be a... Uh, I think Joe's youth would carry him. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, the bones are brittle. On this I've never man. seen a more unathletic person wearing a Oklahoma Baseball National Championship shirt, though. 25 guys pulling on the same rope. <laughs> Seriously, that, that shirt looks like it's brand new. Like, Is this the first time you've ever worn that shirt from 1994? I only break it out for special occasions, Carrie. Does it have the pull, 25 guys pulling the same rope on the oh, back? Oh, yeah, it does. It's on the back. Heck yeah. Turn around. I want to see it. All right, here. It's so awesome. I haven't I, seen that shirt in ages. I had that shirt because I camped there for like every summer when I was a kid. How is that shirt not just falling apart? My, I told Joe my dad has the same shirt. It needs That's to be impressive. signed by Damon Miner and Ryan Miner and put in a uh, glass case. How old were you in 1994? Uh, I believe I was five turning six in 1994. <laughs> oh, my I was, God. I was seven. I was still in college. Was, was Javi, I was 13. I was a big Javier Flores fan, though, if anybody. Oh, I loved Javi Flores. Javi's a great dude, man. One of my biggest days on Twitter ever was the day that he followed me. Yeah, he follows he everybody. He's a, I was so excited. <laughs> I don't know if he's a scooper. Maybe we should make him an honorary scooper. Probably should. All right, uh, back to serious stuff. Uh, Brenneman10 wants, wants uh, this question for you, Josh. Seeing as our current defensive tackle targets are long shots, can you please enlighten us further into the name Corey Bethley you mentioned in chat? 
Yeah, Bethley's a guy from Katy, Texas. Uh, you know, obviously same high school as Matt Diamond. Um, interestingly enough, kind of a guy that's physically similar to Matt Diamond. It kind of surprises me that Oklahoma sees him as a defensive tackle, but that's, you know, it's a question I've, I've kind of gone back and asked a few times to make sure that I'm hearing it right, and that that's absolutely what I understand is that they see him as a, a defensive tackle in their scheme. Now, he's a guy very different um, from maybe uh, – I guess I shouldn't say very different. Similar in Matt, to Matt Romar in the fact that he is a very athletic defensive tackle. I think people forget how big Matt is. Matt was a running back in high school, did, did a lot of stuff for Port Arthur Memorial. And while Bethley is certainly not playing running back at a place like Katy, he is a very quick twitch, very athletic guy, probably about six foot one and a half, probably 265, 270. So kind of, you know, kind of a tweener as far as where he would play in OU scheme, but they see him as a defensive tackle. I think they would have to do some things a little differently, maybe have a little bit different focus if he is going to end up being their guy. But, I mean, clearly, you know, I certainly don't mean any offense to him. That's not what Oklahoma wants to happen. They, they want a defensive tackle out of Houston, but it's not him. So I, I think um, he, he clearly is the backup plan, and he's certainly not a bad one. I mean, he's a guy that's got a lot of good offers, has a lot of opportunities. But I think Oklahoma right now is really pushing for Marvin Wilson and feels like they've got a, a very realistic chance at him right now. Josh, how much of that is just being at a school like Katy? I mean, Oklahoma just if they land him then you, you landed somebody from Katy and you keep that pipeline going. Uh does that is that kind of part of the process there? Well, I think that it definitely plays a role cuz I mean, if you look at it and you say, "Okay, we really like this guy from Katy, but equally we like this guy from, you know, Missouri City." Well, Sure, there's going to be another guy from Missouri City at some point. At Katy, they've got one of the best sophomore running backs in the country, uh, a guy named Glass that's a big-time guy that I can almost guarantee you OU will be recruiting in a couple of years. So with that, you kind of get a continuation, and you're get to you know you going to choose that guy at the more familiar school, at the school that's going to have more talent continuing to come along because you get to continue that relationship and – you already have an existing relationship. You know when you go to Katie and they say, this guy, you know, he's better than Diamond or he's not as good as Diamond or he was a little, he's a little more athletic. You know, whatever the verdict may be from that coaching staff, you know it's coming from a place of true comparison rather than, well, our guy's better than that guy you signed from our rival two years ago. You know, whatever the case may be. So, like I said, I, I think that's um, something that is always going to be a part of it. It's why you see... So often, guys at schools like DeSoto and Cedar Hill and all that continue to be recruited when there's probably just as good a player 10 miles down the road at a school that maybe produces, you know, one guy every five or six years. Hmm. Katie has a good running back on the way up. Seems shocking. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Doesn't Anderson have a little brother, too? Yeah, he, he committed to uh, Arkansas. Oh, that's right. I saw him out at 7-on-7. Seven seven. He, like, he looks like Rodney. Like, if you just saw him, like... I don't know, standing behind a very, very tall counter, you would think, oh, hey, that, that looks like Rodney's little brother. And then, like, he steps away from that counter and you realize he's six foot five and, like, 230 pounds. And it's, I mean, Rodney's a big guy, but his brother is huge. Uh, someone wants to know Bearclaw, 172, of course. If a tree fell in the woods, would anyone hear Eddie Ratto scream when he fell out? He misspelled here. 
guess it's because you're always hiding behind shrubbery and bushes uh, and stuff. Yeah. That's what say, he's alluding you're, to. You're a bush guy, Eddie. You're not a tree guy. Yeah. Did you climb a tree as a kid? Uh, no. That's one thing I could never do is climb a tree. I, I couldn't I even do that. Like the rope day. Sammy B climbed a tree or two back in the day. He might have. Yeah. The, the, the worst day in PE was uh, like the rope day when you had to climb a rope up. That was, that was like that was that and the in, running the mile was terrible. Why were you in PE? Why weren't you just in a real sport? Uh, this is like in fifth grade. PE was like a part of a class. Yeah, elementary school. That's what they do. Yeah, PE I only had PE. And I'm with Eddie. The rope day sucked. The rope that day must was have awful. been the hippie liberals that made that after I was out of grade school. You never had PE in like the uh, the big uh, what was it? It was like the big balloon or whatever, and you sat underneath like it. Like the big tent that you got yeah. underneath. Oh yeah, that was a great day. Those were. That was, that was before play sixty. I mean, we were yeah. we were pre play sixty kind of kids. I always liked anything where you could throw and hit anybody. I mean, any kind of version of dodgeball, you know, sprout ball, anything like that, where you could throw and hit somebody. That would be my jam. What was the question again? I feel like what was it? If Eddie fell out of a tree, would anyone hear him? Oh, scream! No, oh. I don't feel like Eddie would. Scream I don't if think he Eddie's fell out a, a screamer. Yeah, no, he'd play it cool. I just wouldn't fall out of a tree. How about that, Bear Claw? No, hey, we know that's not where Joe. It was in Atlanta. Eddie screamed about something out there. No, the tree Remember, would fall. You would be he in yelled it. Yelled and it freaked me out. Oh, that was at the Braves game. <laughs> what was that at the Braves exactly game? I was getting in the pitcher's head. <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh, right. God, you're one of those people. <laughs> we were sitting in like the outfield too. <laughs> it's the Cubs game. The Cubs uh, uh, gets Eddie a little uh, amped up. All right, uh, let's talk about the guys that have committed recently. Uh, let's start off with uh, Marquise Hayes, a guy that we all saw out in Kansas City for the first time. It wasn't a really good collection of either offensive or defensive linemen, but I think we all came out of it saying, I think that kid's pretty good. And then he goes to five-star, and you're like, okay, this kid's really good. So it looks like, oh, you got a really good offensive lineman. Josh, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, and I think we were all we're all kind of in the same boat on this deal because we all went up to Kansas City expecting to see like Bray Walker and half a dozen other guys, and it really looked like when that camp broke, it was going to be a dud for us. I mean, there there wasn't a lot of guys that we came in thinking, okay, that's a guy we want to watch. Levi Draper got you know had a uh, pulled muscle the day before, so there was that camp had the feeling of a disappointment. And then we went up to watch one-on-ones, the offensive lineman, uh, and there's just this guy that's killing people. And, you, and you're looking at him, and you're like, man, he's, you know, he's a little – he's got some bad weight. He's a little sloppy, you know, but, but at the same time, he's moving his feet. There's stuff you like. He's got long arms. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of those things where, like, the more you watched him, the less you cared about the fact that, yeah, he's going to have to lose 10 or 15 pounds. I mean, and that's okay. That's no big deal. And he's athletic enough to move around. And the thing that sticks out to me, both when I saw him in Kansas City and when I saw him in Atlanta, he is so violent with his hands. Like when he hits a guy, like I don't care if it was Marvin Wilson in Atlanta or some pass rush D end, you know, that was trying to work him as a tackle in uh, Kansas City. Those guys were getting knocked off balance. I mean, it's not just like, oh, they kind of, he stunned them. They were going through a pass rush move, and then it was like, okay, I got to rethink this whole thing. You know, he was, he's really, really strong with his hands. And when he punches, you know, and you think about a guy that hasn't even been into a college weight program, that's going to be something that Bill Biedenboe is going to love to kind of run behind him and let him 
just run over interior linemen. Yeah, and one of the things that's kind of shocking about Marquise that you hit the nail on the head with is if you talk to him and around him, he's a really quiet, um, soft-spoken guy, very humble, uh, doesn't seem to be you know an angry kind of, I don't know, not, not angry, but he doesn't seem to be a very boisterous kind of person. But when he starts blocking... He's not a jerk. He's not a jerk, basically. He's, he's a very nice guy, and he, but he's just very quiet and humble. And then once he gets out there and starts blocking, he's ferocious exploding out of his base with his arms and he he watching his tape too he he'll knock guys on their butts continually like he does he's not just going to get in your way he's not one of those guys he'll move his feet and get in front of you then knock you on your ass and so i think that's something that oklahoma fans and bill beatenbow especially seem to just are going to thrive on and love i I think he's going to fit in very very well in the culture in norman in recent memory josh can you think of a guy that benefited more from going to the rivals camps i mean it seems like nobody knew about him in kansas city he wins the MVP at Ola at the offensive line MVP, and then after that, it was like he was picking up offers every other day from the who's who of the Kansas uh, State was football. maybe his first big offer. And it was like a, after that, right after the Kansas City yeah. camp, and then it was just all downhill. And it seemed like by the time he got to uh, Atlanta for the five star, I mean he had offers from just about everybody. I really <laughs> and. I think I would be wrong if I didn't mention the guy that's coming to my name, uh, or he's coming to mind for me. But the sad part is that I don't know the dude's name, and it's a guy that our guy Rob Casting and I always joke around about. Was this tight end kind of fullback H back guy that showed up to the Houston Rivals camp a few years ago, and nobody knew about him? And I, it was kind of the same deal. Like I looked at him, and he's probably six three, two fifty, and you're kind of like. Ah, you know, he, he just looked like a guy. It didn't look like anything you would talk about. And as I'm sitting there with Rob and we're sitting in midfield and we're watching, you know, some uh, wide receiver DB one-on-ones, this guy's just tearing it up. And so, <coughs> you know, you keep watching him and you're like, no way, no way. He can't beat this guy. Well, then he beats that guy. And it just goes on for like 20 minutes. That guy came into the camp with absolutely no offers and I don't even think had a rival's profile at that point. And ended up signing, I believe, with Nebraska and, you know, had, I think, probably 20 offers by the time he signed. And I don't want to say it was because of Rye. You know, I don't want to get into that whole thing. But at the same time, there's no question that the guy benefited from Oklahoma or, excuse me, from rivals. But Marquise Hayes even talked about it. When he did the commitment story, I was asking him, I said, how much do you feel like going to that camp in Kansas City changed things for you? And he said, I, you know, it's a ton. He goes, I, Oklahoma literally got in touch with me later that day after the camp, and OU was on my high school campus the next day. And really from there, it just grew. You know, I mean, we talked, Eddie, you and I, and Joe talked to him in Atlanta, and he was still kind of like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. But then when I think some people around the program had a chance to see what he was doing against Marvin Wilson and Greg Rogers and all these defensive linemen that OU really likes – that at some point you just can't ignore what the guy's doing josh this is old man josh <laughs> i heard you coughing are you okay i i am good i live i live with a two-year-old man that goes to daycare i live with a human petri dish that just brings sickness home for me well, she will grow up to be ungrateful i was lo- telling you now i would love to play a game with josh just to ask him things and to see how old he is like does do you know who cara Delavine is like do stuff like that do you know what on fleek means and see how old Josh is? Joe's getting weird again. <laughs> What's he saying? I don't like that kid. 
the first name i have no idea who that Damn, is there i it have is. none um I, it's funny because i before we did this i was actually at the gym and there was somebody on the the screen and i'm looking at it i'm like man that's a really cheaply produced video i remember back in the 80s and 90s when they put some money into video i'm like oh god i'm getting really old like uh, it was the exact thing i can imagine my dad saying like when he listened to my music back in the 90s you know like that Kurt Cobain, he's no Eddie Van Halen. You know, like, stop. Stop talking. So, it's... It, it, I'm old. There, there's just no two ways about it. Josh, let's talk about this Cedarian lamb kid stopped being a turncoat finally made his way back to Norman. Why, why is old man Josh... Like, it seems like old man Josh has an OU agenda. Like, is that is that something you predict coming back into my world? Is like, I'm going to... I'm going to be, you know, that, that OU fanboy guy. Is that what's going to happen to me? Tell him your true feelings, Josh. Don't hide him. <laughs> no, uh, with Darian Lamb, you know, when he decommitted, and, you know, he talked a lot about it, and it's something I've mentioned in a couple of the articles and things we've done, he, he kind of was rubbed a little bit the wrong way that so many people just assumed he was out for OU, that that wasn't going to be an option for him anymore. And talking to him you get the feeling that that was never the case that he always felt like he would probably end up back at Oklahoma now to me the school that I think he always wanted to really consider was as most people know LSU and that just never really came to pass I think LSU was looking in some different directions so that made it a little easier for him and probably a little easier for him to say that but at the same time I mean he's a guy that really likes Dennis Simmons that's a really and, and as far as guys that I don't know that get enough credit as recruiters, Simmons is one of them. I mean, people forget he turned the tide with Bryce Youngquist, even though that didn't work out for OU. You can't put that on Simmons. That had nothing to do with him. So um, I, I think he's one of those guys that really does a good job building relationships. And he never wavered. He didn't get upset. I think, and we've talked about this on some previous podcasts, Oklahoma over the last two or three years has become so much better in tune with the way recruiting works today. These kids are going to keep taking visits. They're going to keep talking to other schools. You can't treat them like they're disloyal for doing it. I mean, that, that's just not going to land you commitments. That's not the way to go about things. So I, I think Oklahoma did a really good job of not being upset about it, not letting it get them worked up, just, okay, well, we're going to go back to this. We're going to try to reel him back in. And now they've got a guy that, in my conversations with people, they think is as good as just about any receiver in the country. There is a very, very high opinion of Sedarian Lamb around Oklahoma. You know, and I, once again, we talked about this before, but that's another example of this staff kind of just being calm about the recruiting process and and being more patient with kids. Unlike the was it the receiver coach for Texas A and M that went off on uh, Aaron Moorhead, yeah. former yeah. Indianapolis Colt, went off on uh, Tate Martell. I, I mean, it wasn't about Tate Martell. You didn't read his sub, sub, subsequent tweets. I mean, oh, he yeah. clearly was talking about something else altogether. But, I mean, it, it was a good read on the situation. And they, they, you know, I'll admit, I, or I, I think we, could, we would all say, staffs in the past would not have handled that as well. And they probably would have burned bridges and, and not made it possible for him to come back to Oklahoma. Oh, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, you know, I know. Um, you go years back and, and that sort of stuff you would hear from players that said, you know, I wish Oklahoma would have been an option for me come signing day, but they, they just shut the door after that whole thing went down. So I think Oklahoma did, did a very good job of reading what that was and kind of figuring out 
how to handle and navigate that situation. Is there, What are other examples even of guys that have committed, decommitted, and then recommitted? I mean, Ryan Broyles is somebody that kind of comes to mind, his jumping back and forth between OSU and OU. But I, Corey Nelson was that way, but that was up to signing day. I mean, it's only a couple, and those couple examples are always right at signing day. This is an unusual kind of scenario, and I, like Josh said, you have to give kudos to the coaches. I mean, this is uh, uncharted waters to get a guy to come back this soon on board, and they must have done a great job of maintaining relationships afterwards. And I, well, the only other one I can come up with is a very direct and recent one's Parish Cobb. I mean, that that's another one that. You know, and you even heard rumors that maybe that didn't go that smoothly. So, you know, you kind of wonder if it's all about situational. And obviously, Oklahoma probably thought that bridge was already burned and, you know, whatever. But with with Lamb, they knew they had time and they handled it well. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on uh, – we're pretty familiar with these guys, Oklahoma's wide receiver commits now, uh, three, four stars. Uh, and you can even throw Calcaterra in there. Uh, where would you rank these guys in terms of their ability to be playmakers for OU at the next level? I mean, you have Rambo, who's the highest ranked of them all. I think we're all huge fans of Jalen Rieger. And then Sidarian Lamb might be the best of them all. So what what are your guys' opinion on that? Well, for me, I I think Lamb is a little notch above the rest. I I think people – it's hard when you see him on tape and the way he moves – to understand that Sedarian Lamb's six foot three. I mean, that's a big kid moving in a way that a lot of slots can't do. I, I to me, he's a guy that unless you know guys like Ad Miller and Dahu Green and Jeff Mead, you know, and some of these kind of peripheral guys really step up and just make themselves firm parts of the offense this year, it's going to be almost impossible to keep Lamb off the field next year. Rager's another guy just because I think you know there's going to be a clear opening at slot. For them to get another guy out there, I think he clearly can help. I think Rambo will probably need a little time. He, he's very lean, um, and he's not a guy that's going to overwhelm you with speed or any. You know, he's a very good route runner, and I think that will help him. But at the same time, he's a guy that physically could use some time to develop. And Calcaterra, it's just a matter of can he handle the blocking that he'll need to do. You know, even in a minimized role in the way Oklahoma uses their tight ends. Okay, uh, somebody wanted me to explain why I tweeted out something about Jarvis Baxter the other day. It, it, that is the hottest of the hottest tweets ever, too, by the way, Carrie. I meant to say something. That's like the hottest sports opinion of all time uh, on Twitter. I was Twitter. watching the, the OU Tennessee game that was on, and I don't know why I was watching it, because that's like the only game I have DVR'd from last year besides the Baylor game. But it was, you know, going into the the offense was just terrible for three quarters. And I'm sitting there and like, okay, everybody in this game that's contributing, Deron Neal, Sterling Shepard, they're gone. And there was such an issue getting the passing game going a year ago. And to me, it just makes perfect sense. Like Jarvis Baxter, I know he's not great. I mean, he's not a superstar. But he's now been working with Baker Mayfield for two and a half years, three years really. Um, and he, or two years. And he has proven that he can he can be reliable. And I'm not saying that. I guess you can look at it as kind of a dig at you know Zach Farrar and Michael Jones or whatever. But I think Michael Jones will be a guy that plays a lot next year. But outside of Mark Andrews and Dede Westbrook, I'm 
Jarvis Baxter is the only guy that's out there that has experience that Baker Mayfield relies upon. And I bet, you know, maybe A.D. Miller becomes a, a total stud. I'd say that that is not likely. I'd say what's most likely is for Jarvis ba- Baxter to basically become the either second or third option for Baker Mayfield most of the year. Yeah, I, I would I, I would imagine A.D. Miller, if I had to pick, would be that guy. But you're right, Kerry. If you're gonna, but he's if, an outside yeah, guy, it, it, and he's running a lot of just deep routes. He's not a possession guy for Baker Mayfield. And let's face it, this isn't this isn't dink and dunk, but it is still a possession offense. And maybe Mark Andrews will kind of feed into that role more. But I wonder how much, well, how many receivers are going to see the field routinely for Oklahoma when you have Mark Andrews out there, Joe Mixon. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, who they've shown they've loved to have them both on the field at the same time, right. and D.D. Westbrook. There's four yeah. guys right there that are going to eat up a lot of your plays, and if you ever bring in an extra blocking tight end or Dimitri Flowers, you're not even going to really need a second receiver a lot of times. And I was really talking about, like, you know, other receivers in the Stoops era. Like, uh, you know, Brian Broyles, when he was young, and he had Malcolm Kelly and uh, Jermaine Gresham out there on the field. He, and Manny Johnson, Joaquin Iglesias. Joaquin Iglesias. He was the up and comer, but he became the star. And there really wasn't a second guy for Ryan Broyles when he was here. Joaquin Iglesias really was that you know really good option to Malcolm Kelly as a receiver. He was a good receiver. I and I was just saying Jarvis Baxter is probably going to be a guy like that. He's still the third uh, leading receiver that's returning. He had more catches than Mark Andrews last year. He had twenty receptions. Yeah. So yeah. I. Talking with Baker at Big 12 Media Day, I, I posted something on the board about this and that he's a guy that he really feels like kind of rededicated himself over the offseason. Yeah. He knows that he had a bad year last year. Well, and here's the thing. Here's who it's bad for. It's bad for Geno Lewis. Yeah. Because not one person has told me, oh, Geno Lewis is really going to improve this path. Like, no, nobody has said anything about Geno Lewis standing out at any point. Even back in the spring... Just like, yeah, he looks really good. How's he looking? Yeah. Oh, he's doing okay. Solid, yeah. Nick Basquain's yeah, talked more about than Yeah, Gino I mean, Lewis. Nick Bas- B- Basquine, Basquine. It's Basquine, I think. Basquine. He got talked up at Big 12 Media Days. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, no walk-on has ever come out of the spring and just been a star. I mean, people thought Carter Whitson was going to be that guy. People thought Jermaine Hardison was going to be that guy. It never happens. Of course, I did the same thing with Dom Whaley. Went on my rants about, ah, he's never gonna play. But they don't suck as bad at receiver was, as they did at running back then. That was during the dark ages. <sighs> he was actually pretty good until he almost had his leg torn off at Kansas State. Was that at K State? I yeah. was trying to think when that was. Yeah, that I means that run he had at Texas. I mean, that was he, he looked like a he was moving faster than anybody in the Texas secondary, and that had a lot of NFL guys on it. So I just, I just, it's logic that Jarvis Baxter is the guy that's going to emerge, up, you know, outside of D.D. Westbrook and Mark Andrews. It could be A.D. Miller. I don't think it'll be Dahu Green, but just it's so it's what it is. It's it's Jarvis Baxter. It's what you're saying is you know like Mark Clayton had uh, Brandon Jones out there. You know uh, there were times when Sterling Shepard had Lacole, yeah Lacole Brandon Bester, Jones is not a bad Jalen Saunders somebody to. I would say Jalen Saunders is a step ahead of what I think Jarvis Baxter will be next year, but very similar to a Jalen Saunders type receiver. I think if if you could get that out of him, I think that uh, I think if if you ask Lincoln Riley if he could get that right now, he'd take it. 
Were people oh. just were people just mad because they're like, how dare we have better players than Jarvis Baxter? Was that kind of the I think it's just because it's not a sexy name. It's not a, a, a name like a Michael Jones or a uh, or a whoever. It's just not. Look, I think Michael Jones will have a much better career than Jarvis Baxter will, but he's a true freshman, and the chances of him just starring immediately are slim to none. I, I buy it. I, I like what Jarvis Baxter's bringing in. I think somebody asked in the chat the other day who has a better year, him or Michael Jones, and I said the exact same as you, that Jones, long run, long term of things, going to have probably a better career, but if you're asking me who's going to have a better year next year, I think I'd go with Jarvis. I mean, it's one of those things where they probably make it up in the aggregate. I mean, there's just, they've talked about it media days so many times. Uh, Baker Mayfield said that they're just going to bring out a, a ton of receivers and spread the ball around. And I mean, they'll have a bunch of guys get, you know, 10 to 30 catches and a few hundred yards, I think, outside of the the main few. Um, Jarvis Baxter will be one of them. Michael Jones will be one of them. And I think it's just a matter about who's going to be trusted on at the end of the year to be out there to make a key catch. And it's hard to argue against Jarvis Baxter, someone that would earn that trust over a true freshman. All right. Uh, I want to hit on one more thing, which is the since nobody can talk back and we can't get into discussion, I, I think we should. I think Joe Mixon discussion is perfect for the podcast because we don't have to deal with comments and stuff like that. But Josh, anything recruiting wise you wanted to hit on before we got out of here that we haven't discussed already? No, you know, like I said, I mean, I I feel it's almost daunting to follow up even the mention of Joe Mixon and then try to be like, oh, yeah, they've got this little bit of recruiting news to talk about. Uh, no, I mean, the barbecue and obviously the two recent commitments, I think, like we talked about, Xavier Newman's a good possibility. And there's a few other guys that I think people should keep an eye on this weekend. But for the most part, I mean, I think we've covered the bases. So I, And I, everybody's going to want to know with Jeff Okuda, but I think you've explained that pretty well on the board. But if you want to just go over that one more time. With Okuda, I mean, there's a possibility he does come up. I, that definitely hasn't been ruled out. I think it's And is that because Robert for. just keeps working on him? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, he's one of those guys that I – and that's – Robert Barnes is the kind of guy that I think if Jeff called him and, like, Robert was hanging out the pool with his buddies, and Jeff was like, hey, man, I kind of wanted to go to OU today. Robert probably rally the troops and get you know a ride going for Jeff Akuda back up to OU. So, I mean, Robert is completely willing to kind of step over and do everything he needs to to help OU get Jeff Akuda. So it's, it's still definitely a possibility that he comes. When it's this late in the game and nothing's been finalized, to me that's usually not a good sign. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I'll, we'll be checking with people as the barbecue's going on and seeing who does and doesn't make it. And I can guarantee you there'll be a few guys that are not on that list that end up making it in, and maybe Jeff is one of those guys. Are we talking, Shashan, high on your list of might not be the biggest surprise, but, you know, would be a surprise? He would be a big surprise to me. Everybody okay. I've talked to, there, there was kind of that initial buzz that maybe he was going to come. And talking to a few people, I, I don't think there's a lot of expectation that he would show up. One of the guys that I think might be interesting and might be a possibility, and I'd actually heard that I might find out today, is on Dario Robinson, the uh, defensive end from Hutto, Texas. He's he's a guy that I, I expect to be at OU in the next week to 10 days. Now, it may not be for the barbecue, but it still could be. So he, he's a guy that I would keep an eye on. Uh, and, and one guy we didn't talk about that was commit Trey Sermon. I mean, I got to imagine that's huge for him to have him here just to be around all these commits. Oh, of course. I mean, because, you know, I mean, that's 
now that they're going back into the season and you assume that Trey Sermon's going to be healthy after kind of a nicked-up junior year, if he goes out and puts two or three good games on film, some of those schools that maybe cooled on him a little bit, you can guarantee they're going to jump right back on him. You know, home state Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, all those traditional powers that recruit Georgia every year and, you know, land multiple guys out of that state are going to be right back there knocking on his door. So for Oklahoma to kind of have this chance to kind of remind him of, you know, this is why you chose OU, this is why you're excited about OU, what I'm interested to see following that with him is do you then set him up for that Ohio State visit weekend where there's going to be a ton of guys there, or do you wait until later in the game like, you know, maybe the banquet weekend in December or something like that where you kind of have a chance to get that last big blow in before signing day so that, that'll be interesting to watch with Trey Sermon. But, yeah, this is a big weekend for them to just kind of reaffirm what he was already believing. It doesn't hurt that all those 2019 Georgia guys are coming as well, and they'll see Sermon there and see that it's, you know, vis- visualize that, okay, I can go from Georgia to Oklahoma. That's a possibility. Uh, but, let me ask you about, about Kobe Boyce coming in. I mean, what, what can Oklahoma get out of that? Because, I mean, you see today he's tweeting, hinting at, you know, another Texas commitment. He seems like he's pretty full on the, the Longhorn train. That's the way it feels to me, you know, and and honestly, Joe could probably talk more about this. He's really talked to Kobe a lot more than I have, but from kind of what I hear from the OU side of things is he's receptive to what they've got to say. He he doesn't sound like a guy that's dead set on, you know, Texas is my only option. That's all that I'm going to do. And if he comes up this weekend and really gives OU that legitimate look, I, I don't expect a commitment. I don't expect anything to change like that, but it could really start to turn the tide for him. Yeah, I mean, Kobe's somebody I've talked to a few times. Uh, and I mean, he's out there tweeting today, you know, that Texas is going to get big news. Watch and, out for a and, cow. But I, I mean, I'm talking to him. I, I sent him a message and said, hey, you still good to come cow. to the, the barbecue this weekend? And he said, yes, sir, that's the plan. So, I mean, he's planning to go to OU and excited about it while also being excited about Texas commits. I mean, that, that's a that's a dissonance that people can recognize and it's almost re- reminiscent of like when Trajan Bandy is claiming he saw OU and g- gonna go to OU but he's wearing you know Miami bracelets visiting Miami people can still pick up on that stuff behind the scenes I don't care how much you put it out there on Twitter um, he, people can tell that he's very much considering Oklahoma he's told me before that he probably would have at Texas one OU two and then everybody else you know, the rest of the way so I, I He's gonna. He's clearly keeping OU in mind. I mean, at the very least, that's what he's doing. He's keeping them there as an option in case Texas falls through. Just to uh, fill in the blank on uh, the the big thing that he was alluding to on Twitter was uh, Josh Watch Thompson. Out for the cow. Wait, what are you talking about? Cow. It's about Kobe Boyce. He did the eyes and then a cow. Oh, did he? <laughs> I, I mean, it was obviously Watch oh, out the emojis. Yeah. The emoji. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they got a commitment from. Uh, they flipped Josh Thompson from TCU to Texas. Uh, three-star cornerback out of Nacogdoches was, uh, I think, what he was hitting at. Where was he committed? TCU, is that what? TCU is my problem. Very much your Thank problem, you, Coach Patterson. Maybe one of the best sound bites to come out of Big 12 Media Day, by the way. I enjoy it very much. All right, let me just say this. Uh, Joe Mixon, I know there's all kinds of back and forth. And I, I got on some threads. I'm going to say this first. The, the urban legend stuff that keeps coming up, I don't care. You guys do whatever you want. I'm not trying to chastise the fans. I'm just trying to give you the facts. First things first, there was never anything in the police report or any accusations of racial slurs or spitting. Neither one of the... I don't know how that, that's become urban legend. It comes up everywhere. 
stop repeating that crap because it's not true. And I even talked to people in Mixon's camp, and they said a racial slur was never used, and there was never any spitting. So, you know, that's back in the days when they would talk to me, and I, I really haven't, I haven't messed with it because every time we bring it up, it's just a train wreck, and I don't want to deal with it. So, I don't know why I'm dealing with it now. So, look, you guys know I have I have not been defending Joe Mixon on this deal. It's it's I feel dirty kind of having to ask to interview him all the time when they say no. Uh, the thing at the Orange Bowl that happened was just a train wreck. I didn't want to be a part of it, and I was. I had to be. So it's not like I feel great about Joe Mixon, and I'm a supporter of Joe Mixon. I'm not, but I'll say this. After seeing all this stuff come out with her filing civil suits against not just him, but Pickleman's, it's a money grab. It's I mean, turned into a disaster. There's no doubt about it. I mean... This is this. No one f- should feel good about any of this stuff. I'm gonna say this too. Pickleman's has some nice pizzas. I, I hate to lose them on Campus Corner, but suing Pickleman's. I mean, you saw the video, Eddie. Yeah. Tell me if you remember this because I was talking about this on the board today. She comes in and puts her hands down on the table, and she looks like she's just exasperated, mm-hmm. like with something is something is bugging her, and and she's just. She's being, you know, very drama queen about it. And she waves someone towards her. Correct. And then Joe shows up in the frame and standing there next to her. And they start talking and talking. And it doesn't really look like they're fighting. No. They're having some kind of a discussion. That's the most shocking thing is the escalation of everything that happens. And then it's just, I mean... Like, you could tell they were speaking before, but to sit there and say... I'm suing Picklemans for $75,000 because they didn't have a security. You're the one who waved him into the store yeah. and said, let's talk about this. It's There's just so much, I think, that everybody doesn't understand that hasn't seen the video, that that doesn't understand that the only three people in this restaurant are him. I, I went in thinking it was going to be well, a Well, there packed- was a couple that we didn't know. We found out later there was one other couple at mm-hmm. the front Maybe like, like it up wasn't by the-, the very front table that they were at. It was like two rows back, right. and so it was her, her obviously gay friend, her and Joe all around this table. Right, and it- he was just gonna leave. Like you could tell, they talked. It was probably, I don't know. I mean, maybe he thought they were gonna hook up or something. It was his birthday. I, I don't know, uh, but he started to leave, and he turns to her friend. And he says something very angrily at him. And He's that's walking when, out. Yeah, and that's when she flips out yeah. and rushes towards him and pushes him, which doesn't do anything to him. Then he fake punches. But, I mean, the whole thing about Pickleman's is at fault. I mean, please. That's ridiculous. It, it's it, The situation... I, and it just makes the whole thing, from what I know of it, it makes it more of a circus and more ridiculous and makes me need to go take a shower again. Well, and it's now turned into a, a thing that that leads your nightly news it's it, the news reporters and stuff are on it rather than it, it, it's kind of come out of the, the sports realm of things this is a this is a news story now here's what i would do if i were picklemans i would leak that damn video heck yeah she doesn't want the video sell it to and, tmz and look, i'll tell you this that was another thing like you know or center scoop I w- i'm not trying to rip on anybody there were some student reporters that said oh I, source says that she wants the video that's not true at all. They don't want the video out. because why, they, why would she? They don't want to do anything to damage Joe Mixon or his 
potential value in the future until they can get what they can get out of him. Yeah. So they don't want the NFL being like, oh, did you see that video? They want to keep this all sealed and go through the court process and have it where nobody ever sees it, except the people that decide how much money she's going to get. The number one question I've gotten about all this uh, with the recent lawsuit and everything, Carrie, is what what happens now? I mean, I think people are worried about Mixon not playing this year, being punished more. He won't be. Okay, exactly. It it, it just... it. And I maybe, will tell you this. I did talk to somebody around Big Toby, and I talked to Bob, you know, about his whole situation, the fact that, you know, it's two years from now, and you still got a question in your press yeah. conference today, like, does that bother you? Or he, he was, and I said, did you expect that to, you know, to, for it to be like this, where people are still asking you about? It? He said, yeah, we expected this. We made the decision. We knew when we made the decision that as long as, in maybe even after, you know, Joe's here. I'm going to get asked about it, why he's here, why I didn't kick him off the team. Uh, he said we were ready for that stuff. And I did talk to somebody else after that told me that if this situation happens again at OU, because of everything that's gone on, that person wouldn't be on the team anymore. Because well, Not just because they've gone through it with Joe, but the climate is such that the Ray Rice thing happened, the Joe Mixon thing happened. You know, Mississippi State thing, that guy got charged today with a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. He's only going to have one game. Oh, trust me, OU people are just snickering and laughing at that. They think it's a joke. But if it did happen today, Bob Stoops would not keep a player on the team if he was caught or charged with striking a woman. Well, you know, if you look back at that, guys, how different does that get handled if that maybe happened a month after it did? You know, the Ray Rice thing broke. It was all breaking at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. And then you had, and to me, what I thought was always interesting back then was, OU had just taken Doriel Green Beckham, who'd had his situation in Missouri, and how do you boot the, the young kid when you took in the other kid? I mean, like, it was, it was a really interesting dynamic, and I thought OU got put in a tough spot, but when this, you know, when the, when the Molitor story ran with Barry Trammell, oh, I guess, what, about last week? Everybody kind of got all up in arms again, and I thought, well, what's all this excitement? I, I don't – like, if you want to say that you didn't like the punishment from the beginning, okay, that's fine. I understand that. But trying to act like, oh, you should have done something more now, nothing changed. Nothing, nothing's been any different for OU to handle anything differently. I don't know why they would change their punishment now just because the girl spoke out. Well, you know, and, and I asked Barry Trammell that on the air. Um, you know, we were doing we were doing the the morning animals from from Dallas. Barry came over, we were talking about it. And that kind of, you know, rubbed me the wrong way too that, you know, you seek out the newspaper to tell your side of the story now, like right before you get ready to launch these civil, you know, lawsuits against everybody. And I said, Barry you knew what was going on. You knew what they were doing. They were trying to use the media. Did, did it ever cross your mind, like, maybe we shouldn't do this? And he said, that it came up in the newsroom, but Amelia Molitor's sitting there in a chair, and she wants to tell her story. I'm, I'm going to write that, that article, which I think most people probably would have. Yeah, I mean, I... Not us, because I didn't want the headache. Oh, my. <laughs> I, I mean, if you have her telling the story, I, I, I understand the... The reasoning behind it uh, th to me the whole thing is if you ignore the whole incident and, and i mean not ignore it but let's, let's move past that and just focus on people saying all right now with all this new baylor information the ray rice thing what does oklahoma do now if they release the video what does oklahoma do now those questions are nonsensical to me oh you did what they did 
and they're sticking by it, and nothing's going to change. If they changed any sort of punishment now, it would make them look worse. Right. Not yeah. Better. No, they're they're not going to change anything. So, I mean, they'll take the heat if it comes out, but they're not going to change. And, and the bad thing for Oklahoma is like Bob Stoops can't say, come out and say, "Well, look at we did compared to what other people are," because he looks. But he he's in a no win situation that right. way. He can't say. We punished him for a year. Mississippi State only punished their guy for a game. How, you look terrible and, if you say that. And what game was it? I think uh, isn't Southern uh, isn't Mississippi State playing like? Oh, it's an East yeah. Popcorn State. Yeah, yeah it's it, like Alcorn State or some crazy thing like that. Like it's no, it's nobody. It's not even. It doesn't even matter. How how bad is that blowback going to be when the video comes about comes out, Carrie? I, I in my opinion, it's going to be pretty awful. There's going to be people calling for Bob Stoops, David Bourne, and Joe Castiglione's jobs. Yeah. Well, maybe at that point you have to point out, you know, what happened to Mississippi State. I mean, all Bob Stoops is going to do is just say, look, we saw this. We we took him out of our program for a year. And the only thing he had was academics. That was the problem that I had with him showing up to stuff is it made, you know, Bob Stoops and, and the administration look bad. Yeah. Uh, for a kid that had already basically put everybody's jobs in jeopardy. Yeah, and then he just starts showing up to that open practice yeah. and stuff like that. And people are getting mad at us for pointing it out or whatever. I'm like, look, this is control this kid. I mean, it's not it, it's your job on the line, not mine. I'm actually mad at him for you. Yeah, it was really, really bad. And then I think they got a handle on it. He stopped showing up to things. You stopped seeing yeah. him uh, there for a while. People were wondering if he was still even in school. I remember he like went to the spring game that one year and was in the crowd and mm-hmm. taking selfies with everybody, and you're just like, dude, just chill out. Yeah. He had a lot of growing up to do, obviously. I mean, and I think was, he still does. Yeah. He probably does. He probably, I mean, there's a lot of things that you see going back to the his first media appearance down in Miami and how big of a disaster that was. You could have saved yourself a lot of trouble without showing up uh, and putting yourself on Periscope and... Uh, taking a selfie uh with reporters before the first time you start talking to people i mean it's just there's a certain way to act and a certain way to carry yourself and he probably has a little bit better people wanted to see a certain here was the problem with everything that happened last year people wanted to see a certain amount of uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for um contrition contrition exactly people people wanted to to hear him say i'm sorry this ever happened Uh, I, you know, I shouldn't even be here anymore. And the coaches gave me a second chance and, you know, I'm not going to let them down and I'm not going to embarrass them again. But instead what people heard was, I'm not taking any questions about the incident. And that was the other mistake. And if, oh, you could redo it again, they would have coached him up better to just say at the advice of my lawyers, I'm, I, I, I can't talk about that right now. And he never said you know, at the advice of my Don't lawyers. give half answers I'm, and then trail off. I'm not convinced. I think the Oklahoma communications team might have known that, but they just don't. I don't think they ever could get him to be trustworthy to say something like that. I don't think they just. I think they literally did not trust him to be able to handle something like that. And so that's why he wasn't seen nor heard from. And to be honest, he's still not really seen nor heard from. So, uh, I mean, and Bob was asked if he'll talk this year at, at Media Day, and he said he didn't know, which means no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, until this these civil cases are over, his lawyers don't want him talking. That's the problem. And we've all kind of dealt with him a little bit. And I I remember Josh even saying this kind of uh, out of his recruitment. He's he doesn't he's he doesn't strike you as someone who's uh, angry or a bad kid or any of no, these things. He doesn't. He he just just strikes you as a kid. He's 
he strikes you as someone who's very, very young. He was the typical five star guy. One, he he would beg all of us to help him get followers mm-hmm. on Twitter. He was, you know, he smiled all the time. Seems like everybody liked him. Got along. It was shocking when you know when it happened. When I saw, I, I wondered like, it bothered me because I was like, man, how could I, how could I not see that, or how yeah. could I know a guy? How could I think a guy was such a nice kid and for you know to see that happen? It, it bothered me. It was it just still a, bothers. It was me a, a year bit. away from just seeing this kid, pretty much in Chicago, or yeah. I mean Atlanta. No Chicago. No Chicago. I mean him and Quick, and it. I don't know. It's still. I guess the last thing I would say on this is just I beg people not to take one side or the other side until they see the video and actually what happened. It's it's okay to say Joe made a mistake and he should have walked away. Yeah. You don't have to get into this thing of well she spit on him and and called him the n word. It's okay to just say he made a huge mistake. He should have walked away. Hopefully he learns a lesson. And it's okay to say, well, she's a money grubbing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Not, you know, don't use the B word. We'll delete that post. But, <laughs> but I mean, she's, she's out for a payday. It's obvious now. And he put her in that, he put himself in that position where she's, you know, she's capable of going out and, and getting a payday. No way you, the, any way that you look at it, it's a bad situation. And it's bad because he's an 18-year-old kid. You know, we all made mistakes when we were 18 years old. We had buddies that made mistakes. To have it haunt you the rest of your life is just... That's that's the tragedy to me in this whole thing. Yeah. For and both of those kids. It's always going to... It's going to be next to him no matter what when, he, when the video does come out. Because I do think that at some point it comes out. I think the OAB will win that lawsuit because it's a clear open records situation. And that's another thing that... The Supreme Court has basically said, they didn't say, okay, everyone can have the tape, but they basically said, uh, your ruling was messed up on this. You need to start over. And that's the other thing that I think people on the board or maybe just in general don't understand is that, yes, it probably they probably wouldn't have pursued it if it wasn't an Oklahoma running back, but when that decision was made and they said in the Supreme Court or the local government or local courts said pretty much that you can't get to it, that's when it became a huge news story. Yeah. There's certain people you don't want to tell you can't do this. I mean, you don't want to tell people you can't carry a gun or you can't have a gun. I mean, there's certain things you just can't tell people. You yeah. Can't, you can't vote. I mean, you have rights. If you tell people that they don't have those rights when they know they do, it always ends like this. So. Ugly. All right. Well, this has been, I think, our longest podcast. So, Josh, I appreciate you hanging on. Maybe. Oh, I'm good. No, no, I'm, I'm still here. I, I, I could hear the tone in your voice. You're worried I had actually gone. No, no. I, I like I said, I I didn't have to get the kid today. So we're we're golden. If you guys want to, you know, we we can talk about something else that's sure to rile people up or something. I think we're good. I don't think people want to listen to us that long. Of course, <laughs> man, that's over an hour and twenty minute podcast. So. So there, so there you go. Longest podcast ever. When you're listening to this and we're talking about barbecue and you're bitching and moaning and saying <laughs> just talk sports, just realize there's an hour and 20 minutes worth of podcast you can listen to. So for Josh McQuistion, for Eddie Radosevich, Joe Duvall, I'm Kerry Murdoch. This has been the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Until next time, we'll see you then.